Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Eric Felton. I'm joined today by Mr. Michael Warren, senior writer and White House correspondent for the Weekly Standard. Michael, how are you doing? I'm great, Eric. And I guess White House correspondent means I need to start uh, going to NFL games these Absolutely. days and, and expensing the, the, the tickets is my... Uh, so, so this has been a, a huge success for you. you exactly. You get to tour NFL stadia. It, exactly. Uh, it's, it's a burden, but I'll, 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 I will carry it. I, this is my cross to bear. Silly me, I thought for a while there that um, the president was engaged in tit-for-tat with North Korea and that nuclear war was on the table and other profoundly serious issues were confronting the nation, but I was wrong. Yes, you were well, mistaken. Well, look, you were right at the time, but but uh, circumstances on the ground <laughs> changed apparently. No, it, it's all the, the great kneeling controversy, national anthem kneeling. Here's, here's my question for you about this. It's a question about what the hell Donald Trump is up to. <laughs> because if if it's just about the kneeling, then Donald Trump has profoundly altered the debate in a way that is not the way he would seem to have wanted to alter the debate. What I mean by that is the Colin Kaepernick thing had sort of run its course. Right. There were a couple of people during the preseason and a couple of these first couple of weeks of the NFL season who were kneeling or sitting down. or right. Yeah, but but you're right. I mean, Colin Kaepernick is literally an unemployed quarterback in many ways, although not entirely, because of his decision to, uh, to kneel. Right. You know, sort of he wasn't good enough to make it worth the while to deal with the divisiveness that would come about from having him on the team. Right. He's also struggling um, with the, the and, and, um, and our colleague Greg Easterbrook has explained this in his TMQ column, sort of struggled to- TMQ, Tuesday morning quarterback. That's, that's right. Um, uh, to sort of struggle in the, in the sort of new way NFL offenses are playing, and, and, and Kaepernick is, uh, in addition to all the kind of off- field, uh, uh, you know, uh, noise he's created for himself. Um, he sort of struggled with that too. So, but that, that was sort of in the past, uh, right. really, or sort of in the back, uh, in the rear view window. Colin Kaepernick was going to be a footnote and now he's a martyr to a movement all because Donald Trump gets going on a riff. So the question is, is Donald Trump thinking through what he's saying and trying to do something that will distract from some other issue, whether it's, you know, yet again, failing health care efforts or perhaps preemptively distracting people from what will be the failed tax reform right. effort. Or is he just shooting his mouth off, not realizing that everything he touches turns to lead? It, this is a, a complicated question, but also, I mean, it's kind of it's, it's complicated, but it's a little simple, too. Donald Trump knows what he's doing. When he when he does, as he did on Friday in Huntsville, um, when he when he sort of went off on football. But I don't think he knows what what the effects are, if that makes a lot of sense. He knows what he's doing in the moment. He was in front of let's remember what the setting for all this, what all what started this off. This was in Huntsville, Alabama, for a political rally for Luther Strange, the Republican senator from Alabama, who is. Uh, who's running in a special election for the seat. He's filled Jeff Sessions' seat. Uh, uh, he is uh, the sitting senator, uh, but he's in trouble in a upcoming Republican primary runoff 
um, and uh, it, which is on Tuesday, which is tomorrow, uh, and he still got would still have to go into the general election. And Donald Trump was there to rally support for him, uh, and that's a whole other podcast of sort of what what all the meaning of that uh, race is and Trump's involvement in it. Um, but it's Alabama. Alabama is a very Trumpy state. It may be. It is certainly, in Trump's view, uh, his favorite state. Um, he's got the most support there in his mind. Uh, and I think if you looked, I I don't have the polls in front of me. I'd, I'd imagine Alabama is at least number one or number two in terms of where people support Donald Trump. And you can see this in the way the candidates, both Strange and Roy Moore, who's in many ways kind of Trumpier uh, in 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 spirit, if if not necessarily in um, in fact, uh, is. Uh, they're both invoking Donald Trump's name, essentially, and saying, uh, if you like Trump, which if you're in Alabama, you um, statistically do, vote for me. So he's got a, an audience that is sort of eating out of his hand. And what does, he, what does Trump do in front of these audiences? He, he loves to throw the red meat. He, he just panders. He feeds off of that energy and just gives it more because he wants more of it. And what he did uh, in talking about this was... This is a Alabama's a football loving state. It's a very patriotic state. Uh, and um, I imagine most Americans don't like the Colin Kaepernick uh, style of protest. And I bet you a lot of Alabamians, especially the ones who are in that crowd, don't like it. So he knows that he's throwing that out there for them. And of course, they cheer and it drives him on. And. And so he knows what he's doing when he says that. He knows he's going to, he may even know he's going to catch grief for it the next day. But I think the feeling uh, that he gets from that, which let's be honest, if you or I were in front of a crowd and we were saying things and everybody in this giant crowd were cheering for us, it might, might make us feel good about ourselves and make it maybe drive us to, to keep saying it. Political sugar high. Exactly. Um, but you, the, the premise of your question um is that was he is he thinking about this sort of long term? Is this helping him achieve his goals? Is this helping him get uh, Luther Strange, who is he ostensibly wants to win on Tuesday? Is this helping Luther Strange at all? Is it uh, making things uh, problems of his go away and and helping his agenda? No, it's not. Um, and I think that even if even the fact that most people are probably in agreement with him about the nature of maybe not to the extent of all NFL owners should fire anybody who kneels, but generally that this is a, not a good protest. Um, it, it, it's, it is, I but think he, everybody agreed with him until he said it. And then he makes it impossible to be critical of the kneeling movement without seeming to be part of the Trump movement, That's which, right. which makes it basically even people who agree with him, he makes it impossible for people who agree with him to hold their position without taking a lot of grief. I, I think that's right. I mean, I, 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 for one, am somebody who looks at the kneeling during the national anthem as a, 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 I suppose, a legitimate way of protesting, but not necessarily the right one. Um, that's my view as an, as an American, that it's not the right thing to do. Um, but you're right. Now that has become the Trump position. And I, I think that I don't know how this is all going to shake out politically, um, but you are correct in saying that what he's done now is made um, kneeling at the national anthem uh, and standing up for, say, uh, these issues about uh, uh, racial bias in the law enforcement community and the sort of criminal justice system and all this sort of thing um, synonymous with 
opposing Trump. I mean, so what what this has done is sort of uh, the blurry lines, you know, that, hey, maybe there are some, you know, maybe there's some nuance here uh, that, that you could even be, say, a Trump supporter who might think that there might be some, um, uh, might be some, uh, things that need to be done uh, to to combat racial bias, or um, you know, you don't really want to mix the two because you think this is a, too important of an issue um, to sort of involve the president of the United States and all the baggage that comes with that. All of those, all of that fuzziness has now been clarified. Um, but I don't know if it's in a way that's very healthy for any kind of um, uh, political solutions or or certainly political comedy. What Trump does is he makes you take sides. Right. And and up to this point, Trump's biggest supporters, most visible supporters in the NFL were Robert Kraft and Tom yes. Brady, both of whom have had to walk away from the president in the aftermath of, of this. You know, one of the key things of being a successful politician is you need to make it easy for people to come to your side. And Trump relentlessly makes it hard for people to come to his side. Abs- that distills Trump's political problems down to, to, to two sentences, Eric. And I was thinking about this as it relates to policy. Remember that policy um, when we what's, actually what's that? discussed how things affect the way we live and how the country's run? Um, I'll, I'll catch you up later. Uh, I've forgotten myself. <laughs> uh, but I was thinking about this with a policy change that happened this weekend um, in the administration, which was the the uh, infamous travel ban ran out uh, on Sunday, and the president had basically issued a, declar- a, a proclamation about um, about what would replace it. Remember, what was the whole point of the travel ban, um, which became known as the Muslim ban? Uh, it was actually known as the Muslim ban before it became the travel ban, uh, because that's how Trump described it on the campaign trail. Um, it was supposed to be a, a, a sort of a temporary measure until we could get extreme vetting and vetting of uh, people who were coming into the country. Well, uh, Trump made it very difficult, as you as you put it, for people to come to his side of the issue because it became known as a Muslim ban. Um, and he was targeting um, uh, countries with majority Muslim populations and that this was sort of became this idea that it was a religious test. Um, well, if you look at sort of what, what has come out of this, and you can debate about whether it's the, the smart way to go about this, but what's eventually come out policy-wise is a... Uh, a, a much less harsh, a much more focused, a much, I, I would argue, a better directed uh, effort on the part of the U.S. government to uh, screen people who are coming into uh, the country. And, and and actually what it says is putting a stop to uh, migration and travel from a number of countries, some of which are, most of which are Muslim majority, but also North Korea and Venezuela, uh, uh, with the argument that they're uh, screening systems for uh, in, in the home country and the visa, the, the screening of those visas um, is inadequate and needs to sort of come up to the United States standards. Well, this is actually a pretty, a relatively uh, almost mundane uh, problem with uh, the uh, tra- with the travel visa process that, the, you know, that that ought, I guess, suppose you know, ought to be addressed. Um and it would sort of make sense, right? I mean, again, we could argue about the the efficacy of this particular policy, but it's sort of a normal debate. Should we be allowing people into the country from places that aren't 
able to accurately screen people who are leaving those countries so that we can find out people who might have might try to be doing us harm uh, or committing uh, crimes or terrorism, that sort of thing. But it's become uh, so toxic. Uh, and uh, a huge part of that is because of Trump, of the way he implemented the initial travel ban, the way it was sort of confused uh, and and perhaps with the intent of sort of banning initially banning Muslims or uh, places, you know, with lots of Muslims uh, from coming into the country. Uh, he won. He won himself no supporters. No, I think probably net supporters in that way from the people he ought to be pulling onto his side. People who are who are concerned about the security of the country. Donald Trump at this point has negative brand equity, you know, which is which is shocking for somebody whose whole business world was built around valuing the brand. Right. And you know, if you look at the way his company was valued you know, some billion dollars of it, the value was inherent in the name and the brand Trump. So much like Chevrolet cars um, a few years ago, Chevrolet discovered it had negative brand equity, which is if you took a car that had no logos on it that was a Chevy, people in focus groups would say, well, I kind of like that car. And then you'd show them that there was a Chevrolet logo on it. And they'd be like, "Eh, I'm not so sure anymore. (laughs) Negative brand equity. Right. Trump has the same thing. You could yes. take a policy and people would say, hey, that's actually a, a not such a bad policy. That's a pretty good policy. And then when they discover that it's a Trump policy, uh, uh, I'm not so sure. Or not actually, so sure. not even that. Uh, it's a problem or it's bad. Right. Um, yeah, I agree. That's that's absolutely right. It's interesting that what is she- what did Chevy do with that? Uh, that bad, that negative brand equity, they actually turned it into a series of ads where they essentially do what you described, where they show you the car. Oh, it's very nice. Oh, did you know, by the way, that it's a Chevy? And all the people in this in this made up, I'm sure, focus group go, wow, I had no idea. Isn't that great? Um, I don't know if Donald Trump is going to be able to uh, hide the brand. No inclination to hide That's right. the brand. That's right. Uh, uh, and so uh, I suppose if he wanted to see some success, uh, he might try to hide the brand, but I don't think there's any hiding it. Michael Warren, White House correspondent for The Weekly Standard. Thanks for joining us on the Daily Standard podcast. Thanks, Eric. That's it for today's Daily Standard podcast. Be sure to tune in to our podcast throughout the week. Just go to iTunes or Google Play for a free subscription or go to our website, weeklystandard.com. I'm Eric Felton. Thanks for listening.